This is a Helen Hall library joint. <laughs> I like it a lot. The mm-hmm. Helen Hall library joint. Based on a true story. Some faux Hall real, faux real. <laughs> yeah, faux real, faux real. I rewatched Do the Right Thing while doing my taxes. Fight the power, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, stick it to the government. Do your taxes all. Yeah. Welcome to Watch Out with Helen Hall Library, a deep dive into classics, hidden gems, and new favorites all found in your library stacks. Hi, I'm Emery. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Meredith. And in this episode, we're celebrating Black History Month with a Spike Lee directorial double feature of Do the Right Thing from 1989 and Black Klansman from 2018. Which one do we want to start with? I would say Do the Right Thing, since it's the earlier film. Yes. Do the Right Thing um, from 1989, directed by Spike Lee. It's often considered to be like one of the greatest films films of all time, but also one of the most like controversial. It's also starring Spike Lee as Mookie, uh, Danny Aiello, who got a Best Supporting Oscar nomination for this, Giancarlo Esposito, who's on Breaking Bad. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I was like, he's Robert. also in School Days. I yes. was like, Robert, do you know who that is? And I was, he's like, no, because Robert watched it with me. He's like, do you know who that is? And, and uh, he said no. And I was like, well, look at him. And he's like, I don't know. And I was like, that's the dude from Breaking Bad. He's like, no, it's not. I was like, yes, it is. Kelsey's favorite, John Turturro. Samuel L. Jackson and tons of others. Rosie Perez. Spike Lee's sister plays his sister. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's fun. And then basically the plot is on the hottest day of the summer, which is a whopping 92 degrees according to the newspaper. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) If we lived in a place where there was zero air conditioning... There's no air conditioning. I thought I was telling Robert. There's no air conditioning. There's no air conditioning there because... Because they don't really need it. They don't need it. For the most part, except on days when it's 92 degrees. Yeah. Yeah, but how often is it 92 degrees? Not often. Not often. That's why they're freaking out. Oh, my goodness. And the heat kind of contributes to some of the racial tensions in this very culturally diverse neighborhood of Bedford-Stuyvesant, or abbreviated as Bed-Stuy. The movie follows Mookie as he delivers pizza around the neighborhood, runs into cool characters, some kooky characters, um, and he hangs out in the Italian owned and operated pizza shop that he works at when Buggin' Out, played by Giancarlo Esposito, demands that the pizza shop features some famous people of color, non-Italians on the wall. The neighborhood erupts. Um, Yeah, the movie has really complex like racial relationships but also like interpersonal relationships within that like everyone has a problem with each other in different ways so Mm -hmm. that's really interesting but yeah so there's lots of african americans in the neighborhood there's italians there's a little bodega owned by koreans and it um puerto ricans too mm -hmm. yeah 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 but then also within that like until the end, Mookie kind of tries to keep the peace. He'll tell, like, bugging out to, like, leave the pizza shop and calm down and stuff. So it's a lot. Mm-hmm. 
So I was very... This is your first time watching it, right? This is my first time watching it. First I was, time watching, like, any Spike Lee movie. Mm-hmm. So this was my first time watching any Spike Lee movie. And, um... Did you watch this one first or Black Klansman? I watched this one first. Okay. I told her to watch this one first so that... I thought it would make her enjoy Black Klansman more because she'd be already on the wavelength. And oh. then she could just, like, appreciate Adam Driver and stuff. Oh, yeah. But okay. I was on the wavelength, I don't think but... It but oh, well, okay. okay. I mean, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. I just can't. Okay. So, Robert and I watched this together, and um, Robert was kind of bored throughout most of it. Really? Until the end. I was really sad to see John Turturro be so hateful. Um, He's an actor. I know. I know. So, I have the Criterion Collection version of this on Blu ray. And it includes the original director's commentary so that was released on the Laserdisc yeah. from 1995. Oh. Ooh. But in it, uh, Spike Lee mentions that John Turturro felt like that there was tension or he was concerned about how he came across to people on the set because he thought that people felt like he was, like he was so mm. realistic in his portrayal. That he was. Yeah, that people were, that he was concerned. I have a... So you did. I, were upset about. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Continue. I interrupted you about. Okay. You were sad about John Turturro, but I am sad about John Turturro. But he was amazing. But I can't feel. I don't, I don't feel like I can say that he was amazing because he was so unlikable. Well, but he, he still was. A right. Good job of, of being of being like of being unlikable. Yeah. Everyone in this movie is pretty unlikable. Yeah. So let me just say that I almost turned the movie off. Oh, completely okay. when there was like five minutes of the movie had gone by and there was still dancing yes i was over it by like 30 seconds i was just like oh haha this is funny blah 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 you know 80s 90s dancing you know and then um, it just kept going it kept going because it was just about rosie perez's body well yeah. i didn't even read it that way oh okay i was just like <laughs> what is this lady still doing like She's why a dancer? is she still there she started as a dancer well i was just over it by oh, okay. like yeah. By point Ozzy four, and five I were seconds. dancing to <laughs> with her. The power. Oh, okay. yeah. So yeah, the, with her. Yeah, the dancing was. I was just like, okay, I'm done now. I do know she didn't want to do like the nude scene with the ice cube, and right. that she, you just see her breasts because she was crying or yes. something. Yeah, she's like crying, so he couldn't film her face because she didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh. Why'd you make her do it, Spike? She could have had a body double. Yeah, I know. This movie just seems like, I mean, at least in terms of Rosie Perez, just seems like a lot about Rosie Perez's body. Yeah. That's one of the critiques Bell Hooks, who also recently passed away, had made of Spike Lee, is that she just didn't feel like his representations of women were ever very good. Yeah. I mean, it kind of goes with the theme, though. I usually love Giancarlo Esposito mm-hmm. and because of Breaking Bad. He was so, if you've ever seen Breaking Bad... He's amazing. Mm. So good. He, like, makes, almost makes the show. So when I saw him in this, I was like, oh, my God. He is so loud and obnoxious. He's bugging out. <laughs> but I could not stand. I felt like I was getting a headache just from listening to Rosie Perez talk. That was her name, right? Mm-hmm. In the beginning, when she's talking to her mom or yelling, the tone mm. of her voice and the nasal intonation that she has listening to her gives me a headache. But I, okay, so with the theme of the movie I was 
I feel like I, with both of these movies, I feel like I am, I w can't say anything because like, what could I possibly say that would offer any insight into the things that happen in these movies? Okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm sure. coming from a position where of, of, I guess, privilege, right? Yeah. I mean, and it just feels like, but, but still these movies like shook me. Then that's so no I mean, that's fine. But that's, these movies. That's a good way to talk about these it. These movies then. made me, I just was really upset because, you know, never seen, never seen this movie. And at the end, it was like this movie was not made. I was going to say 20 years ago. 30 years <laughs> 30 ago. 30 years ago. Oh 33 years ago. Yeah. No, don't say that part. 30 years ago. But to me, my brain is still 20 years ago. To me, it's like it's completely relevant it should not still be relevant mm -hmm. it should not still be relevant i was appalled at the ending when right when the officers kill radio rahim i'm mm -hmm. like i was appalled i was like that should not you can look at something historically which i guess this movie would count as historically now since, mm -hmm. it's, since it's 30 plus years 30 old. plus years old you can look at something historically i'm not comparing the two instances but this is the first thing that popped to my mind okay okay anne boleyn anne boleyn gets what is it beheaded uh, beheaded because of whatever right you look at that kind of thing happening and you're like oh that's really that's bad that's unfortunate that sucks yeah but it's history right so you don't there's like a feeling of there's distance. a feeling of dis distance <clears throat> but when you see something like this that's history but still relevant it shouldn't be but it shouldn't things be repeated 30 mm. plus years exactly later. it should not be and that's what that's part of what really upset me i think bugging out went about the things that he wanted the wrong way to be honest i don't feel like him going about it any specific way would have actually made a difference mm. to what was his sal. name sal. sal to sal wouldn't have made a difference i think that any way that he would have gone about it respectfully the way he did non-respectfully whatever would not have made a difference to Sal. Sal was going to do what he wanted to do. The conversation that Bugging Out has with Jade, right? Mm -hmm. And she's like, what's this going to, like, what are you trying to Oh, and her laugh. Here? Her laugh. laugh. Oh my gosh. It was the worst ever. I think it was one of the first things she was ever in. And yeah. then, and then Martin Lawrence, I liked that he made his character have a lisp, right? It was I, so, I didn't like even a, notice that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I think it adds to his character. I like yeah. I mean, I thought it was a good addition, but I just can't say, I don't know. It was just a hard, it's a hard movie to watch, hard movie to watch. And it was a hard realization and it made me really depressed. Yeah. So yeah. that yeah. the first time I ever watched it was in 2014 and it, I was watching it and I was still like, so this didn't, this wasn't made yesterday. Like yeah. what? And every couple of years that I've watched it, it's still always relevant every time I watch it. So yeah, that's, it was disheartening, but that's still, yeah, it. people, I think more people should watch it. Yeah. I think it should be like, like a required, like a required, like, you know how they have required reading for mm -hmm. school. They should have required film, mm -hmm. like important films. Like, that yeah that and i think this is an important american this film. is an important mm -hmm. an important american film mm -hmm. yeah i mean i used to think that gone with the wind was an important american film and i don't know if i still feel that way because you know it's epic it's mostly i feel like before i don't know what i thought but like now i feel like it's gone with the wind is like female empowerment mm. to me mm. because she doesn't need anybody i mean she wants people but she doesn't need anybody and i don't know though if it has the kind of cultural significance that it used to whereas this movie i feel absolutely needs to be something that people see yeah but I it was really depressing i think it's um, really sad 
I mean, separate from the, although it's not separate because it's all one piece, right? It's hard to, but um, like, it's just so amazingly shot. It's so visually interesting, even though it takes place in very few locations. Mm. Yeah, especially when Radio Rahim have his lo- has his love and his hate mm. rings. Yeah. And he has that little monologue. Well, that's so, I was going to bring that up. That whole monologue is from Night of the Hunter, which is like a, 1950s movie and it's verbatim from that movie so Robert Mitchum's like a preacher who comes to town to try and like swindle this widow to get her money but he has like love and hate tattooed on his hands and he does the whole thing so I was gonna bring up how Spike Lee like this movie is about like the black experience but also like Italians and Koreans and immigrants and stuff but he like is willing to draw from old white British dudes and their Mm. movies into his movie yeah I feel like Spike Lee just from seeing these two movies i feel like spike lee has an appreciation for everybody yeah i think it's obvious that spike lee is steeped in film history yeah mm-hmm. yeah he you know, loves film. film one thing that i think this is a theme that he is perhaps still trying to grapple with 30 years later between the two films is the conversation that Mookie Spike Lee has with John Turturro's character, where John Turturro is talking about how his favorite artists and musicians that or whatever. That was improvised. Okay. Um, pretty sure that was improvised. I read that, that, that it was improvised. Oh. I did not hear that on the director's commentary, but that does not mean that it was well, not true, because John Turturro was not included in the director's commentary. Yes. Ron Stallworth and Flip Flip have like a similar conversation. About like David Bowie or Prince or David Yeah, Bowie? not about Prince, but... Michael Bashomi or whatever mm-hmm. and uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. and Flip are having that conversation about like artists and musicians and stuff and and OJ Simpson yeah. and all of these like athletes or whatever who are African American and it's not like the context of the conversations aren't the same but mm-hmm. like kind of this this way in which um, this grappling with this elevation of certain people but a complete like an appropriation and like mm-hmm. a love of cultural products but not of the people who have made mm-hmm. them I think that's I read I read that incorrectly, so okay. I need to go back and make a, a correction. Okay, correction. That scene was not improvised. The scene between Danny Aiello and John Turturro that is improvised. As soon as the scripted scene ended, when Smiley walked up to the window. Oh yeah. Okay. So I I do like how your the movie it's so lived in and so real because like it's filmed on location, mm-hmm. so you can just hear chatter through the streets. There's just people playing in the streets and it, doing their yeah. It doesn't like feel daily lives. Yeah. Things. It doesn't feel like extras. It doesn't feel like um, okay, like you're gonna be sitting here kind of. It talking. seems like a really small set. But yeah, so you can just constantly hear like different voices coming from around. So you feel like you're like in the movie. The street, yeah. Yeah. And then you were saying how it looks visually the camera angles like radio rahim is like very big so mm-hmm. when he's talking the camera will be pointing down at who he's talking to mm-hmm. and then when like um the korean couple are talking to him since he's so much taller the camera's pointing up at him and mm-hmm. it like gives you the perspective of each character, character yeah. and that's something i just i noticed on this third watch that i did that you get character perspectives through camera angles yeah so, that's pretty pretty good yeah so you were saying you don't think bugging out would have accomplished anything, but I liked his initial idea of well, we're gonna stop eating here until well, you. Well, yeah. And I feel like the like that could if he got everyone on his side calmly and stuff, and you stop eating there, and then Danny Aiello's like, well, people who eat here aren't eating here anymore. I should maybe hear them out, things like that. 
Like, yeah, and it it would have been nice if he recognized that this is the demographic that I serve. Mm. Maybe I should consider, you know, their request. Yeah. You know? Right. Because you could view it as just do a wall of famous New Yorkers and or people it could from be anyone or Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Or, also, I don't know if you noticed, like, Sal clearly has a crush on Jade. Oh, yeah. And, like, he just becomes a completely different person when Jade comes oh, in. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Creepy. So it's just stuff like that. And then... I did like Spike Lee. He looked really sweet and adorable yeah. and young. In Summer of Sam, he plays like a news reporter, but he's like, I, if I'm remembering it, because I only saw it once and it was like not in high def or anything. I think the news reporter he's playing is like kind of timid and awkward and people keep like talking over him while he's trying to like interview them. And I like love this Spike Lee, like all cute and awkward, but he's actually a really good actor for yeah. like a director, non-actor. So I kind of wish he like popped up in more stuff like in other people's movies or anything. I I, oh, yeah. I was a little bit confused towards the end when after everything happened, I mean, you know, Mookie's being the, the more or less the peacekeeper throughout the movie. And then he throws the trash mm. can. And I and I can understand why he did that because he just saw his his friend be killed. Mm. Right. Then after that, like the next day, he still goes to like get his money. I was like, I, I wouldn't I would not have I would not have like had. Yeah. Could not. And then they're like have this weird reconciliation. Yeah. And that was just really weird to me. I kind of viewed that they're a little awkward where like when you're mad at someone, but then you kind of just start talking normally again to each other and like without apologizing, but you just kind of, I kind of viewed that as maybe they both have like a deep love and respect for, for each, each other. other and yeah. They've probably been working together for a really long right. time. And Sal's connected to the neighborhood. I mean, yeah. he, he... So Mookie has been there for a long time because I, I so. couldn't really tell um, because when his sister was fussing at him, she was saying that he the only job he's been able to keep for over mm. a month or something. Well, even if he's only been able to keep that job for over a month, it's not... I mean, Sal's is like an institution yeah. in the neighborhood, right? So he's probably known Sal since he was a kid. So, that's, yes. In the beginning, who was he in the bed with? It was like his sister, sure. right? Like, I think they... I think he like ran into her room or something and he was like messing with her to like wake her up or something. Okay. Because yeah. I couldn't... It was affection, but it wasn't... It was sibling affection. Okay. Yeah. That I couldn't Get. I'm not that close with my siblings. To like, uh, I'm pretty sure I haven't rewatched this in years, and I'm not. I'm pretty positive Lin Manuel Miranda stole a large amount of In the Heights right. from this. Really? So in this one, there's like the snow cone man cart, and he's like pushing it, and he's like piragua, piragua, and then like the ice cream truck drives by, and all the kids are like ice cream, and they run off. Aww. And then with like the hottest part of the year, and like the neighborhood, you know, erupting. In the Heights, there's a piragua man who has like a whole beef with the ice cream man and they like wrap <laughs> the beef out between each other. And he's like, oh, like my business is being taken. And then in, in the Heights, it's like the hottest day of the, the year. year. The power goes out and there's like, not like a riot, but like everyone's in the streets and there's chaos. I mean, to me, it felt very blatant. Like I was like, okay, like Spike Lee's impact on the people. And mm -hmm. so I don't know if you like In the Heights, watch Do the Right Thing. Right. 
Right. He's also in the Heights has a lot of um, like Afro Latino, Puerto Rican, and like African American interpersonal stuff going on. So I was just like, I thought In the Heights was like a ripoff of West Side Story. I've never seen um, In the Heights though, but like from what I well, saw, so it was like it was a ripoff. Lynn's first play that he did before Hamilton, and it was on Broadway for a long time. But I mean, I think a lot of people were saying like, oh, isn't In the Heights West Side Story? And then it was like, wait, West Side Story is coming out. I thought that came out. Oh, that was in the and people were like, oh. I don't feel like I mm. Romeo and Juliet. What? <laughs> so one thing that I want to point out about this movie is that like, what do we think "Do the Right Thing" means? Mm. The tagline on Letterbox, it's like you can do something, you can do nothing, or you can do the right. Thing. Yeah, I mean, it's a callback to something Demayer says, right? So he says yeah. that, you, that he needs to tells Mookie like makes a point of stopping him to say, you know. To, to do the right thing. Mm. What is that in this situation? To me, the ending with the quotes from MLK and mm. Malcolm X make it really ambivalent about what the right mm. thing is. Maybe the right thing is contextually dependent. Like, right. Well, I saw a criticism that I, said okay. that like since the mob was kind of turning on Sal, he saved Sal's life by deflecting I it towards that, the yeah, building too. like and then um i know that spike lee has said only white people have ever asked him why did mookie throw the trash can did he do the right thing and but then he said no black person has ever asked him that so like, i'm not asking whether me, or not he right, did the right, right thing. i'm just asking what do, what do we do you what does it ultimately mean to, to do the right thing to me i thought that the do the right thing was directed towards sal Oh. Like, where he should have done the right thing, and that's what I thought. Like, he should have done the right thing and put the picture up. I so had that thought of, like, oh, if you would have just put the picture I up. know. But I'm like, oh, that's, like, but a victim. That's movie. what I thought the movie was directed at, that, that Sal should have done the right thing. So, in the director's commentary, Spike Lee comes in favor of Sal and says, this is business, he can do whatever he wants. Mm. He also says, he goes on to say that the bigger problem he sees is that there aren't enough black business owners in that community. Mm. If there were, they could do what they wanted yeah. and put the people that they want on the wall. Now, right. I'm not saying that I necessarily agree with that because to me, honestly, like you live in the community. Well, he doesn't live in the community, probably, like, right? They commute in. But you're in the community. Like, mm. I don't see what the problem is of being reflective of the community. Have the people on the wall. Have the people of the community on the right. wall. Yeah, um, I I. I mean, the movie gives everyone a chance to, like, say their piece people. where you're kind of like... Well, yeah, there should be, it should be reflective of the community, but then you're also like, it's his business. He doesn't right. have to if he doesn't want to. And then you're like, and then they, they don't, don't have, have to eat there if they business. don't want to. And then it's just like, yeah. Where else is there to eat? Yeah. I think it's probably up to each person to decide. Like yeah. you, like Kelsey viewed it as it's about Sal so should have done the right thing. Others are going to say Mookie shouldn't have thrown the trash can. Some would say they I know why he threw the trash can. I don't think that, I think Sal did not do the right thing. Mookie did do the right thing because. But Mookie is also a character that you can be kind of ambivalent about because he's like. He's yeah, he's not, dad. he's not a good No, dad, yeah, no. He's not, not a good not, sibling. He's not a, no. Not a good employee. Please, no. <laughs> but he, he, he still does have moments where you like him you're like yeah, oh, sure. yeah so complex characters yeah. yeah and it's nice to see complex characters some feel like there isn't a that complex anymore because there's even the part where the group of people kind of start to turn on the korean bodega yeah. and then the korean owner who this hasn't even been about which there's been tensions with them mm. but he's kind of like i'm more like you than than i am like the italian owners like we're more and then also the three men sitting on the wall one of them is saying how 
like the Koreans should go back to where they came from. And then they're like, you came over on a boat too. What are you talking about? Like, like, are they supposed to be like a Greek chorus? Is that I think so. I think they're based on, I think they're also, there's another movie or something where someone's like, if you do that to me in a dream, oh, I think Tarantino ripped that off. Oh, okay. You do that to me in a dream, you better wake up and apologize or something. I don't know. I do wish I was those three men just sitting on a wall, hanging out with my friends. They reminded the- me of <laughs> drinking the, beer. They reminded me of like the two. I, I don't remember their names, but the Muppet old men. Oh, <laughs> Waldorf and Stadler, or whatever. They reminded me of Waldorf and Stadler. I've mentioned to y'all that when I saw Do the Right Thing, I had just watched Rear Window, mm-hmm. which will be our next episode. But yes. I was like, these are very similar movies. And I read that he wasn't influenced by Rear Window, but he watched one of the Alfred Hitchcock Playhouse story oh, time. Okay, yeah. Um, and there was an episode that he was influenced by. So he, you know, he was influenced by Alfred Hitchcock. He, the love and hate thing that Radio Rahim does is influenced by Charles Lawton. So, mm-hmm. like, there's the Greek chorus, so mm-hmm. you could probably just find... Tons of things. Yeah. One thing that, and this is, I think that you could level this criticism at Spike Lee. I don't necessarily think that this is my criticism of Spike Lee. I think that it contributes to how he might potentially take on more than he can chew in some mm-hmm. situations. Although, in one of the things it said that in one of the things that I read it said that they were on location mm-hmm. and they had to like have security to keep drug dealers from coming in on the street like uh. like drug dealers are like you're disrupting our business uh. <laughs> and I mean it was 1989 in the director's commentary there was a they were talking about how there were a lot of, of course in 1995 director's commentary were talking about how there's a lot of like complaints like this isn't realistic because there's not a drug problem oh. in this movie yeah there's, in um, the community at the time like there were a lot of people who were just like why are you like there's a big elephant in the room you're not addressing the fact that this that this drug crisis is destroying our community but i mm, just thought it was like so that's funny not for Spike Lee. that's not I'm the story about. Yeah, that's yeah. what i'm talking about but it just seemed really funny because i was just like it seems also like that it would have been like totally on brand for spike lee to right. be like i'm gonna talk about it all yeah all. but I'm, um the mayor has like an alcohol problem yeah so i mean and then also he's like like houseless so he gets taken in by mother sister at the end is he homeless though because he wakes up in a bed oh he does surrounded by beer oh i didn't even okay i just thought what is up with that kid who was like not even like grateful that oh his mom tries to beat him after he almost got killed like he pushed me like, no, he saved, your, he life. saved yeah. your life. Like, what is that? Also, there's a little cameo by John Savage, who's like the white guy with the brownstone. And oh, they're like, oh, who yeah. told you to move here? Uh, yeah, I was like, I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> and Oh, okay. I, uh, but, well, um, oh, man. And it's just like the commu- like the way that Spike Lee communicates like history, but also conflict with like sp- through sports, right? It just yeah. seems like so Spike Lee. But I guess we can start to wrap up. And- oh, any last? Yeah. Yeah, points? one more thing. I think that I don't know if it is that I don't know if it's topically what Spike Lee picks or it's what viewers apply to Spike this also kind of goes back to some of the potential criticisms I think but because he takes on these really heady issues I think that there is like potential to see stories like this as allegorical and I don't know Mm. that that's his intent Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that you can run into some problems when you are setting up situations to be representative of more than what they are. Mm. But is it supposed to? And so that I have like, I have like some like internal like 
weird like tensions or whatever when I'm like, is this supposed to, is this just a story? Is this representative? What are problems that we run into when this is supposed to be representative to more that, you know what I mean? Like I just, did you see Chirac that he did? No. It's so, it's based on a like Greek play where the women want their husbands to stop going to war. So they withhold sex until they stop going to war. So he does like Chirac where they withhold sex until they like get rid of their guns. I mean, and it's very like, it's one of his movies where I'm just kind of like, it's still good good, and I still take things away from it. And I'm like glad glad someone's making movies like he is but i'm just kind of like like yeah maybe you bit off more than you could choose likely <laughs> i just want to put that out there because i don't i don't even really know how to wrap my head around that okay. but it's something that i kind of think about a lot when i come to his movies okay so i'm sorry final yeah, thoughts yeah. wrap up yeah so i mean i give this a five out of five it's yeah one of the great american movies of all time i think it's really important culturally um i've Personally, when I watched it the first time, I do honestly feel like it changed my life and it like made me more like aware of things around me and to like kind of, yeah, like try and look at my privilege when I talk about things. So yeah, five out of five. It is a hard watch. There's lots of things being, there's, yeah, women aren't viewed great in it. Um, Mookie, you know, constantly says he wants his son to grow up speaking English. And then like there's issues with like, yeah, like immigration, gentrification, like every topic besides like a drug problem is in the movie. So, but yeah, I would really recommend it. And I, so I went with, so I recommend Night of the Hunter, which is by Charles Lawton, who was like a British actor, the only thing he ever directed. Robert Mitchum's in it. It's really, really good. Um, it's black and white, but it's kind of, he used like Greek expressionism. And it's, yeah, verbatim, the love and hate speech. Um, and then La Haine, which is like a French movie from the 90s, where it's similar where it's like more working class or like lower class people in a neighborhood and these group of guys are like hanging out in their neighborhood and then there's like class relations um police tensions like trying to break up groups of people that are just like loitering around and it's very similar and then for sweatiness and like hotness um dog day afternoon that's one of my recommendations oh, okay. too <laughs> okay um but yeah basically al pacino's very beautiful in it and sweaty yes everybody's that, very sweaty which one in it. is that one he robs a bank to pay for That's his yeah. boyfriend's sex change yes i remember yes now. and then they're all like attica attica and then right. i just love the part where the guy's like like why are you robbing the bank and he's like i need money he's like why don't you just get a job and he's like a job like but, um so dog day afternoon he does call him his boyfriend who is getting a sex change in the movie i just yes. want to make that clear yeah that, is, he, not, that uh, is not my because he also has a wife yes yeah he has a wife yes yeah um and then also we just ordered a lot of spike lee i would recommend summer of sam i feel like that's also kind of like a sweaty um things are similar simmering below the surface that also touchstone to the the big blackout in new york Mm -hmm. that happened Mm -hmm. while david berkowitz was out killing and that's what okay so that's what so it's called Summer of Sam. Yes. But it's about the Son of Sam. The son of Sam. Yes. That's what I was confused yes. about. Yeah. Um, and I think John Leguizamo John was one of the mm-hmm. main characters. What? So, yes. I love And then him. Adrian Brody is Beautiful. American. 
What? He's like, you know, he's going to identify as British, basically, and he starts like wearing British stuff, talking in with the a movie? British accent. Mm-hmm. Summer of Sam. Yeah. Yes. And he like, there's a whole scene of him like playing punk rock guitar, really? and he has like his vinyl player on top of the amp, and it's like shaking, and I'm like, <laughs> I had one. So that's one of the things I originally when I had talked to Emery about trying to pair up a movie with Spike Lee, mm-hmm. I had told her that I had kind of wanted to do Summer of Sam mm-hmm. with Do the Right Thing because I thought in some ways there were some, but we. Yeah. Yes. already have it in the collection so you know yeah. but now you can and yes. they're and those are literally like is it 10 years apart and then a recommendation that we like don't have on hbo max spike lee directed a performance of david burns american utopia broadway play and they like released it during quarantine and then i i went and saw, went it, and saw it. it yeah and it's really well directed i yeah and it's really good the play or performance also talks about kind of like things going on in the country um but one thing that so on broadway they do a song where they each cast member goes through and say says the name of like a black person that's been killed by police and then they say like say their name and everyone kind of like chants their name in the directed show um when they say their name it cuts to the mother of that person like holding a picture standing on the stage alone but so like when i and when i saw that i like gasped because like that's something it's not a part of the Broadway play that's like a important and then it's similar to how Do the Right Thing has like names at the end and stuff like that so but it's really beautifully directed and the play it's talking head songs Mm -hmm. so it's a good watch fun vibe good some good background stuff and it's very minimalist so I recommend American Utopia on HBO Max I don't have recommendations this is the first Spike Lee movie I ever watched there's no other movies that give you no sweaty vibes also perfect movie to watch right now during this winter storm right yeah. feel warm <laughs> you could actually like uh, you could it's just like the haziness yeah. of, like when it's so hot you know it's just like hate radi- radiating off of the pavement mm-hmm. just like oh it's oh. perfect how many dancing Mookie okay. heads across okay. the screen <laughs> hold on a second <laughs> alright so I'm giving the movie I want to say four or four and a half stars four stars because I didn't need the unnecessarily long intro of dancing okay. and I also, the movie kind of, the loudness of it kind Mm. of gave me a headache. I just don't like loud, super loud things. But the movie, I want to give it four and a half stars because it was so amazing. Mm. I just can't give it five stars because of the intro and how loud it was. For me. Well, maybe that also, I think, contributes to the end. Mm -hmm. And like, because also at the end when everything happens, yeah, like I was watching it and you're like, yeah, you would probably start maybe running into the shop because you're literally like, ah, I don't know. Like, yeah, you're watching it and you're like, like a little, yeah. And it's hard to even discern of like, who is doing the right or wrong thing and, uh, and yeah four and a half I'm gonna give it five I do not think that this movie is perfect mm. I don't really have a problem necessarily with the length of the dancing I think it's fun but because Ozzy and I just danced around to fight the power <laughs> But I do think it contributes to, like, some of the... It's just about Rosie Perez's body. And, like, they're just, like, some little things. I mean, overall, though, I think it's it's just such a... It's such an amazing movie. There's so, there's so much that you can unpack. I just think it's masterful. So, five stars for me. For recommendations, 25th Hour. I'm going with yes. movies that take place in 24 hours. Okay. okay? Yeah. So, 25th Hour, Dog yeah. Day Afternoon. You should watch 25th Hour. It's, it's um Edward Norton. Yeah. But, anyways, Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it, too. Oh. Yeah. 
Okay. Another Spike Lee film. Uh, Rashomon. Okay. So just go with some classics. And then this is has nothing to do with, like, tonally it has nothing to do with it. But if you want another movie that's very specific to a time and place that happens within a day is Dazed and Confused. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> which is a summertime movie. Yeah. Which is, like... It's, it's probably, not... like, the privileged white suburban version yes. of Do the Right Thing. Yes. It's a... It's a it's Dazed and Confused. It takes place in Central Texas. All and... right, all right, all right. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Tired of working for the man and ready to be your own boss? Are you ready to be an upstart with your startup and fuel your local economy? Your public library has a wealth of sources on starting or scaling up your own business or making the transition to a new career. Helen Hall Library, we mean business. We mean business. We mean business. Black Klansman, 2018, directed also by Spike Lee. It was nominated for six Oscars, including Best Picture, which is interesting because Spike Lee's always kind of had a... So Do the Right Thing was not nominated for Best Picture, but that was the year Driving Miss Daisy won, and he was like, really, like, that one, like... (laughs) Do the Right Thing should have got nominated and won. And Black Klansman was nominated for Best Picture and then Green Book won. And he literally was like, they're the same where Viggo Mortensen drives Mahershala Ali around. And he was like, really? And he he like jokingly, like when they announced it, was like pretending to pull a Kanye, but he like got up and then they were like, no, nah, Spike, like don't. But he was like, are you kidding me? Like both times there's a movie about Chauffeur. a white, yeah, like a white person driving a black person around. Well, Driving Miss Daisy is um or a black guy yeah. driving a white yeah but yeah he was yeah. like both of them are like kind Taking of oscar bait yeah. yeah and he was just like are you kidding like but he got his best screenplay oscar so mm-hmm. i think that's his first oscar he got and it's starring john david washington who is denzel washington's son and spike lee and denzel have worked together a lot so it's mm-hmm. fun to see john david washington adam driver topher grace paul walter hauser who's like kind of been up and coming lately and then Michael Buscemi, mm-hmm. Steve Buscemi's brother, and Nicholas Tutoro. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So. And this Viking guy forgot the Viking guy's name. Yeah, these, uh-huh. the Felix guy. Felix, he's yeah, like he's Scandinavian. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Norwegian. Or yeah. So I thought he did a good performance. He did a really good performance. He's playing, he made an me American. hate him so much. Yeah, yeah. and his wife. I hated her so. And I was much. as I was like hating her. I was like, is this just Spike Lee? not being great at writing women or is this woman just insufferable but we'll get there ron stallworth who is played by john david washington is the first black police officer in colorado springs and um one day on a whim after getting put on as like a detective he calls the local kkk chapter after they have like an ad in the newspaper and he tricks them into wanting to meet with him and then they realize well you're black so you can't meet with the kkk so they get fellow officer flip who is played by adam driver to pose as ron stallworth and be the white salt ron stallworth and then as this is happening ron also becomes involved with patrice who's like the leader of a black student union and um he has to like keep his work and personal feelings separate much like do the right thing there's funny moments but there's also lots of complex characters and conflict and very dark themes i think john david washington gives like a really nuanced performance because mm-hmm. the first time you see him is him being interviewed for the job and i feel like he's he's very stiff 
and bizarre. Like everything they ask him, he's just like, yup. And like, I don't feel like he's acting like a human kind of. And then I was like, oh, that's him acting how he thinks the white person interviewing him probably wants oh. him to act. Like mm. very kind of just like formal and stiff and awkward. And then you notice as he gets to know his coworkers more and is more respected on the job, he loosens up and is more himself. And then so I thought that was like very nuanced to just be very awkward at first and then like open up. Or maybe there's a sense of awkwardness too because he's not only interviewing for a job, but he's being asked questions that yeah no one these days would ever anticipate being asked in an interview. Oh, I love whenever um, he works in the records room, which is the first job they give him. Yeah. Whenever an officer comes in to get records or something and is saying racist things and then he leaves, the officer leaves, he just like to get the inner, like he just comes yeah, he's in like, <laughs> Yeah, and he does sound effects too. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely... So I was like, but the first time he does it, you're just like, and then you're like, oh, he's like, because he even does it, I think after he has a successful like phone call with the KKK, then he's like Mm. at his desk. And so I don't know, I thought that was very funny. So yeah, it has funny moments like that where you're just like, what? And there's an absurdism to the entire situation. Yes, yes. Me and Kelsey were kind of talking like the prologue with Alec Baldwin with like Gone with the Wind because he's not playing like a real person so I don't know if he's supposed to be like a proto or like a neo like a where he's like like, I'm an intellectual right supremacist. It seems like some kind of college professor taping a promotional material for something. Yeah there's no context it kind of just starts and then he's never seen again. Does it seem like he's supposed to be from the 50s? Does it seem like it's supposed to be older than what? That's what I thought but then then I think the footage behind him some of it's in color. Color wasn't as prominent in the 50s so like I feel like it would have to be sooner than the 50s. Maybe. I mean Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Yeah. Gone with the Wind is But like he also has like other footage. I don't know. When was Gone with the Wind? 40? 30s. 30s. 39? Yeah. I think at the time that this came out out, he was still playing Trump on SNL, so I don't know if it was supposed to be like that's why it's Alec Baldwin. It kind of reminded me of the of the like Surgeon General Everett Coop health class projector yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, like, so I don't know if it's supposed to be like an educational material, but right. who would be the dispersed? KKK? Yeah. yeah, and then also I think it kind of goes with how Patrice is saying like Ron is like oh like I love Shaft and she's like oh I don't like the portrayal it has of black people and then he's like it's just a movie and she's like well no it's not these people watch it and then that's how they think everybody is and then he's like oh and so maybe it's supposed to be like I don't know the whole movie is also kind of about movies that have um, because they watch The Birth of a Nation Mm -hmm. which also I watched this right after I took a American film history class and the first movie we watched was Birth of a Nation. Oh, yeah. And everything that, like, Harry Belafonte says about Birth of a Nation in Spike's movie is exactly what my professor said. So I was just like, whoa. <gasps> but yeah, and then when they're watching, Bert, everything's about kind of how media affects the larger culture. But. Which is also one of those things that it's one of these moments where it's like, you know what you're doing, Spike, right? Because it's like, like he's also doing that. He is also part of the 
Vasco, Spike Lee right. is also part right. of Vasco. Like a self-reflexive. Mm. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I don't have like the words to. T- yeah. But um, also the film is mostly about like a black officer struggling to fit in with like his all-white workplace. But it also brings up like Flip is Jewish, but he's never really identified that way until he had to start hanging out with the KKK guys, and then he was like, it also brings up like Flip's identity as like a Jewish man. So I don't know. I I think a lot of people think Spike Lee only cares about black stories and that's like his primary focus but he does give everyone a chance to like have a focus too so like this also brings up anti-semitism and Mm -hmm. then um do the right thing has like the italians the korean immigrants puerto ricans Mm -hmm. women probably could use a little more (laughs) um yeah because positive representation yeah because felix's wife i guess she just wants to be a part of the club so badly that she she made me so mad i okay this movie was really upsetting me Mm. throughout most of the movie but especially i mean i knew what i was going to be getting into sort of because it's about a, a black man who mm. infiltrates the KKK. Like, I knew that. So I knew that there was going to be racism depicted, okay? But it was just really depressing and sad, and especially in the banquet mm-hmm. scene, when they're watching the movie, I'm like, what is wrong with these That's people? what they do, though. Like, they literally watch that movie. Like, <sighs> And when we watched it at school, my professor was like, she said when she's shown it, every now and then, like, the word will get out, and they'll show up and try and come watch it and she's like you're not in my class because the KKK got a lot of their stuff from that movie I really liked Topher Grace Mm -hmm. I was really sad that he was so that he was playing David Duke that he was playing David Duke and so then I had to look up and see and he's like the dragon wizard or the Mm -hmm. whatever it's called I don't know self-proclaimed he gave himself that title okay I don't even know but he's like the dragon and like I was not prepared for the end yeah Mm. and I'm sitting there watching it on my laptop and I have my AirPods in because I'm not going to let my kids hear this movie right now, you know? And I just, like, it made me physically Mm. sick. And I was at the part at the end when they're showing the rally for Unite Mm -hmm. the Right and then, like, the counter. It made me sick and, Mm. like... I wasn't expecting them to show Well, I think... And I was just like... I think all that happened, like, literally weeks before the movie came out, and I think he added it in. And I was telling Kelsey, when I went and saw this in theaters, a local chapter of the KKK, they called in a bomb threat on the theater, and they said, if you show it... So, like, they were short-staffed because, like, people wouldn't let their, like, teenage kids come work. Yeah. And you had to show your ticket and get, like, escorted to your seat by, like, a police. Where did you go? Cinemark. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, like, they had multiple squad cars outside, and I was like, well, I guess I'm gonna go out watching a Spike Lee movie. That's how we're gonna do it. Fight but, the power. Yeah. I. But, um, and then, yeah, when it ended, I was, and that's the other thing, it's kind of, like, in memory of Heather Heyer, and she's a white woman, but the mm-hmm. movie's about a black man, so, like. Well, because, I mean, I don't think that you need to be any particular race to support Black Lives Matter and, you know, like... Or just to support Black people. Exactly. Even if you don't support I, the movement or I mean, whatever. But, I mean, yeah. it's like the opposite of the KKK. You right. don't have to be white to, to care mm-hmm. and to support. And I think that that's evidenced by the fact that he even included her as a in memoriam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you think of, like, the little critique of Gone with the Wind since you above Gone, Gone with, with the Wind? wind. Um... 
that's one of the saddest parts of the movie because all these people are dying for this awful cause mm. of like keeping what do you call it slavery slavery alive like i'm mm. like you know mm. no but i don't i didn't pay attention to alec baldwin's monologue mm. so i think that that was a really poor if he wanted to have an example of mm. how the confederate flag is standing or whatever i think that was a poor representation mm. I love how he uses music as a form of storytelling. So mm-hmm. instead of having like some really long monologue or not monologue, like montage of like Ron and Patrice. I don't know if they fall in love, but I'll just say like fall in love. But instead it's just them dancing, dancing. to. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's like music as a form of like, yeah, they fell in love during this dance and I and they're so happy. And, yeah. I was kind of disappointed in Patrice Mm. for her, like, unwillingness to compromise with her view on John David Washington being a policeman. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like she could have had more of a voice if she was, like... Like, telling him how to change things. Yeah, I feel like she could have had more of a voice. And, I mean, on the one hand, I can kind of see where she's coming... Not see where she's coming from, but, you know, like, her... She's the leader of, of... the Black Student Union, and how would it look for her to be, you know, mm-hmm. with a policeman? But then, on the other hand, she could make a, a difference. Mm-hmm. So. And he he also wants to make a difference. Exactly. So, so I feel like, I don't... I do feel I'm more of a Patrice than a Ron. Every conversation I have is about politics outside of work, mm-hmm. basically. I love Spike Lee, so I'm going to watch whatever, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to not enjoy what he does. But this is not one of my favorites of his. Okay. I think in part because it is based on a book. I was going to ask, like, since you've read the book. You've read the book? Yes. I read it again in preparation for this. It's a very quick book. Um, It's a very quick read. It's a little repetitive. I mean, this is a guy who's a, he's not a, he's not a literary Mm -hmm. person. You know, he's a, he's a retired police officer or whatever. You know, he's a retired law enforcement officer who has a very interesting story to tell. Um, Patrice does not exist. No. Mm. You know? Yeah. That's. He didn't really make the phone call. To David Duke. No. At the very end, the bombing. The, did not happen. Everything that's like the most dramatic yeah, part Adam, did not happen. Adam Driver's character was unknown. Okay. He's still anonymous mm. and wasn't Jewish. Wasn't mm. Jewish. Them being potentially exposed didn't happen. Um, to me, it sounds like the movie's better than the book. Then <laughs> it does seem like it's better than the book, but I haven't read the book, so I don't. Well, know. I mean, it's a drama. In that way, it's a drama, right? From Ron Stallworth's perspective, this was a uh, you know he was the he was the first African American to be on the Colorado Springs Police Force. He was an African American who helped infiltrate the KKK and helped stop at least in that community because of increased police presence, helped stop the things that that group had had planned at least in terms of cross burnings and trying mm-hmm. to incite unrest and that kind of thing. But it's such a the the movie itself is such a fun an interesting story but it feels like kind of a shame that they had to take this one gentleman Ron Stallworth story Mm, to make it happen mm -hmm. because with the coda at the end the through line becomes David Duke and not Ron Stallworth right and I think that's sad to Mm. me in a little bit of ways what 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 brings this what brings the stuff that happens in 2017 and right Mm -hmm. the through line of the original story with Ron Stallworth is not Ron Stallworth Ron Stallworth was not there in 2017 David Duke was oh yeah and the KKK was. Yeah. So this story becomes not his story anymore in a way. Mm. And that's the thing that makes me kind of, I'm just kind of like, man, 
Like, it's kind of like what he did didn't really change anything, because... Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, yeah, nobody went to jail. Well, there were like the, people from NORAD who were no longer mm-hmm. kept in those positions. corrupt officer on Which there. is also not true. Nope, it um, wasn't true. Yeah, that's also not true. <laughs> I probably won't read the book then. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good. And Ross the whole time I'll just be like, where's Adam Driver wearing red flannel? Yeah, Where's I know, he? right? <laughs> yeah, he's... That's probably the best he's ever looked in this movie. In the red I, flannel? Really? Yeah, I really Adam like him. Driver with I really the jeans, like the, red flannel. the way he looks in one of the Star Wars. Okay. Oh. Well, this was filmed around the same time, so he still has, like, the hair and stuff. I think he needs that hair because those ears are really unfortunate. I don't know. And I think, like, they kind of bring this up. I think the book... I mean, Patrice sort of does, but I think the book makes you think more so about the conflict of being an African-American person as a police officer. Mm-hmm. Patrice talks about, like, you're black and you're American. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, but why can't you just be like black instead of, or American which one does she say? no she talks about the she talks about the W.B. Du Bois quote where yes. you're constantly you are always going to be this double mm-hmm. identity and he's like why can't he's the one who's like why can't mm-hmm. you and she's like because it's going to be a conflict it's, yeah. it's conflict it's a conflict like, yeah just based on America's history right I felt like the portrayal of the KKK in this like as opposed to like a brother Rart though mm-hmm. so in this you have David Duke and Walter who are the more intellectual readers. And then there's Felix, who's like the wild card. His emotions get in the way. He's obsessed with anti-Semitism. Yes. And then you have like Ivanhoe, who's like the stereotypical dumb, bumbling idiot. Right. So like, because I think people often either portray them all as bumbling idiots, Idiots. but if they were all bumbling idiots, they wouldn't be such a threat. Right. So you do have intellectual people people who come out as leaders. Right. But so he has like the levels of like there's David Duke and Walter Um, there's the Ivanhoe who's like the bumbling idiot and then there's like a middle ground with Felix who's a little too loose cannon to be a leader but like it's a more yeah a risk right but it's a more there's a Daniel Radcliffe movie called Imperium where he's Mm -hmm. an FBI agent that goes undercover to infiltrate like a KKK organization and the leader of that group that he is like he's like a teacher he's someone very respectful in the community and when he's undercover like he's always at their house he has all these books and he's very like intellectual and then he's like wow I thought I was going to be dealing with like idiots and it's like very intellectual people who are and so but yeah, so, yeah I don't know I, I liked that there was like levels of the members instead of them all being dumb or all being right. smart I liked at the banquet when he takes the picture that's also, real also Ron Stallworth um, yeah that happened he actually like last minute was like did he have to protect David he did okay <laughs> that's real yeah, yeah I thought that real. was like because then you have Adam Drive and then you have um, John Turturro's brother who's yes. like that's a cop like, but that didn't have that right. part didn't happen but, but the the fake Ron Stallworth did take the picture yeah 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 and then like Adam Driver has to like say a horrible thing to yes. the real Ron Stallworth to yep. get him to get out of there and, and then yeah and then the cops don't believe Ron Stallworth that he's a cop and he's trying to arrest this woman yeah. who's planting a bomb and then Adam Driver rolls up and he's like he's a cop and they're like the black guy's a cop and it's like he's been telling you that the whole time um, and I did want to say I do think like if you're someone who's never seen a Spike Lee movie but you like Martin Scorsese oh, yeah. I feel like there's a through 
line because, and I hate comparing them because Spike Lee is so unique. Yeah. Like, literally, there's no one making no, movies there's no like one Spike made, Lee. No. But Martin Scorsese is similar. He, his movies are like the love of the neighborhood he grew up with. Right. Love of the people he grew up with. But they also like use music a lot. And mm-hmm. I think they are some of the best at picking music for their movies i always yeah. watch movies now and it'll just like have needle drop after needle drop and i'm like you're not spike lee like stop no. trying to do this yeah you're not scorsese you're not tarantino right you can't you're not as good as it but i think if you like scorsese and his love of movies that he puts into his movies and his like historical views like i just think if you like scorsese you would like spike lee and mm. it's similar whereas instead of it like focusing on italians you're focusing on african-americans so I just, I don't know, I think. Music plays an important role in Spike Lee's films. Music is powerful. Music can express, celebrate, and entertain. Music can unite. Helen Hall Library has one of the largest and richest collections of music on CD in our region. From Louis Armstrong to Frank Zappa, ACDC to ZZ Top, ABBA to Led Zeppelin, Ariana Grande to Jay-Z, Arias to Zydeco. Come celebrate with Helen Hall Library. Anthems. Anthems to world music from Zaire. Like, I hate to say that the movie is kind of fun, but it's kind of fun. Well, I was, right? I have a note here. It's marketed heavily as a comedy, but it's extremely heartbreaking. But yeah, yeah. It, it is fun. Like, I love, like, 70s outfits. Yeah. I love the music. Yeah, I um, love the clothes. Yeah. Yeah, the clothes. I think, I think John David Washington, he carries the movie with his, like, performance. He's, I th- yes, yeah. he's amazing. Yeah. One thing that it, that both of these, like, the presentation sometimes seems very, and I don't mean this in a negative way it seems very like an affected theat- mm. theatrical aspect to it so like in Do the Right Thing there are lots of moments of like talking directly to mm-hmm. the camera like you know and then um, when Stokely Carmichael Kwame Toure is giving his speech and they're like, like the floating, the floating heads, heads yeah. and just like visions of like these just like full on face shots he, his movies have a very like they're, they're steeped in realism but he always throws magical yeah there's something that's like a otherworldly like this isn't real type of stuff right oh well like at the end when they get the corrupt officer arrested it's like this like comedy kind of like Mm -hmm. oh shucks we're all at the bar and no mm. oh, I'm wearing a wire and we got him arrested and then they all come out and they're like oh this is great and they're like high-fiving and he's like oh no I'm being arrested and like that's not like that's so dramatized dream- yes like it's like a dream scenario mm. so yeah I I really like this I it was my favorite movie of 2018 the year really? it came out yeah I thought maybe I best. should not have read the book <laughs> maybe I should not have watched maybe I should have watched it before I read the book maybe probably. um any last thoughts on Black Klansman eye-opening the um the movie just in last thoughts and the book too if anyone checks it out um the language is very rough yeah mm. it was the 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 just was casualness very, with which yeah. people just that was, spout hate that was yeah. the problem really that i hard. had the most yeah was just watching all of these people say all these hateful things and i and just with like a nonchalance that's like everyday use i yeah. couldn't understand that mm. i could not understand the the woman yeah i think hers was the most grating like the vitriol like, like yeah it's like she as her character her 
character was trying too hard to I, be... I don't even know I if think, it's that. I, I think know. what it is is her husband actually believes all those things. So for him, it's natural to... I think maybe she... she I'm sure she believes them, but like for him, it's like who he is. I think she's trying to like... Be a good wife. Yeah, and like... And so she says them and she's like... When they're watching the movie, she's like, oh, look at that. Because I think it's like she's trying to get like validation of like look I'm like saying what you say and I believe what you believe and like I feel like he's nicer to her when she's saying those things but then when she's like oh here's like cookies he's like just put it down and leave so like I think I think she's kind of performing she's being performative for her husband and maybe she he doesn't seemed... believe them as much so she has to like say it more to I don't know he she seemed like, like she really he yeah. seemed more irritated with her when she started talking business than when she was just giving them yeah when she was like, like trying to ball. be yeah when like, she was like did you see that article blah 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 and he's like you need to go away yeah, and right. she makes a point of like you're gonna need me I'm yeah well i think that's because he's like i think there's i think like they don't let women in the ranks uh, of the kkk so it's like get out this boys club uh, but then like there's a part where they're like in bed and he's like holding, holding and she's her. like oh i can't believe we're actually gonna do it and no, then, oh my gosh. so i feel like when they're like alone he's likes her when she's saying those things and i don't know i i feel like hers was a performance mm. whereas like the other men they just say it naturally because they believe i think it was both for her yeah. i think I, she was supposed to also be a caricature yeah too kind of how ivanhoe is like a yeah maybe so that's what that's the so like just going back like pulling it back around it's like like to what i was asking about earlier is like this tension between like what is supposed to be like what is supposed to be alex Allegorical or like symbolic, right? And what is supposed to be real? Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was hard to watch. Yeah, it was like a good movie, but yeah. it was hard to watch. I feel like I think I like do the right thing better. I feel like if you took out the prologue and the epilogue, and it was just like the the movie part, it's more enjoyable. Because then when you get to the epilogue, it you have to associate the people you just watched. Yes, yes. the more recent things, mm -hmm. like the real footage with the movie, and then it brings. He's like, I when I saw it in theaters, you're like, okay, the Alec Baldwin stuff, and then it gets to the movie, mm. and you're like, oh, like, yeah, this is hard to watch, but like, this is, a, I'm enjoying watching this, these horrible people. Because in some ways, like with the two of them, it's like buddy cop comedy. Yes, yes, and it's like a he's giving a charismatic performance. Oh yeah, and then it ends, and you get to the real footage of everything that happened, and then it's you're not just, a performance anymore, right? And then you're just like. Oh, and like it's still here and it's still real and I, mean, I don't know. Like yeah, I think it dampens the, the fun aspect but of the that's, movie. It's not supposed to be technically a fun movie, right, you know. Right. Like I do think having the movie have comedy and like it lightens good music, it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It makes it more palatable and ratings. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I give it a five. I think just because I think the movie is really, really good. It was my favorite of 2018. I think it's beautifully made. I really love the music. I love the, like, Soul Train falling in love yes, scene. Yes, yeah, it's amazing. Um, I like the use of movies as historical pieces. Mm. And then for recommendations, we don't have his most recent movie, The Five Bloods, because it's on Netflix, mm. but I really recommend it. It's kind of similar. It's Chadwick Boseman's, like, second-to-last performance, mm. and and um, it's five Vietnam vets who, and they're black, and they go back to Vietnam to retrieve the body of their 
fellow soldier who died there, and it's Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. And Chadwick so, Boseman is the one who died? Yes, so he's in flashbacks, mm-hmm. and in the flashbacks, Chadwick Boseman was in his like 30s, but all these actors are in their like 60s or early 70s. Mm-hmm. And in the flashbacks, instead of getting a younger actor or CGIing them, it's still just like the 60, 70 year old actors interesting fighting with him like in the jungle so it's like he's always going to be young but they now see themselves as older men right and at first when it's happening you're kind of like what and so it's their flashbacks so they see themselves as they are yes and it has there's a scene where they go to a bar in saigon in present day and there's like a soul train type scene and and then it's also really weird because Spike Lee didn't know at the time that Chadwick Boseman was dying of cancer. Mm. And um, since he's like the dead character, there's multiple scenes where they are not a flashback, but they're in present day thinking of him. So he kind of materializes in front of them. And he has like an angelic, oh, godly man. quality where they're kind of... Also, they when they talk about him in the movie, they just love him so much that he's like so mythologized. Right. And that's kind of how Chadwick Boseman is since he's the Black Panther yeah people love him and always will so it was like this thing of like oh my gosh like that one's really good I recommend it it's very very Spike Lee like mm-hmm. Spike Lee does weird stuff sometimes in his movies that is unique and I think so Defy Bloods is like that but I really do recommend it good music because it's set in the Vietnam era and then I recommend The Departed oh I love The Departed yeah so um Leo is oh I haven't watched in a while. Leo's a gangster. His that, name is that goes undercover into the police force. Like Frank, yeah, for the mafia. He's a police officer, mm. good guy who goes undercover for the mafia. And Matt Damon, who's a mobster, who is a sociopath, who is in a mom. Mm-hmm. is a mobster another podcast favorite and he goes undercover in the police department interesting and he ma- mm. makes his way is up. he a part of the irish mob yes yes, yes. it's, it's in very boston, boston. Okay. and um jack nicholson is in it it's a really it's good. good movie mm. and um it's based off of infernal affairs i think mm. which is a japanese or an asian one. movie but it's the same plot it's word. a it's a really good movie mm. and then just mercy about Brian Stevenson, um, and it's Michael B. Jordan. He's a lawyer that helps get people off of death row that are wrongly accused, and um, I think he gets Jamie Foxx's character off of death row. But um, and we have like the book it's based on and the audiobook. And then um, Sorry to Bother You, which is by. Oh, I just blanked out his name. His name is Boots. But it has Lakeith Stanfield, and it's like a um, Boots Riley. It's like a fictional future kind of where stuff is like regressed a little bit. But Lakeith goes to work in like a call center, and he's like not making sales. And then like Danny Glover is like, no man, like you got to use your white voice. And then when he goes to use his white voice, it's like a white actor's voice coming out. And then he starts making his sales on. So they each have like a white actor who's their white voice. And then he somehow befriends army hammer who it turns out to be like a crazy guy who's making like horse people out of people it uh, sounds very army hammer yeah he's like <laughs> like an amazon type thing where it's like oh but also why pay rent you can just like live at the amp like the facility in your in your prime bunk and the guy that made it is like a very like his parents were prominent like socialists back in the 70s and like i feel like he's like if spike lee like he is just like nah no like no sub 
subtext. Everything's text. Like, everything's <laughs> on the surface. And those are my recommendations. Kelsey, ratings? Recommendations? Um, I give Black Klansman a four out of five. I can't give it a five because of all the hate. Recommendations The Departed is really good. Mm. Gangs, Gangs in, in New York, York is yeah. another one. Because uh, doesn't he go undercover? Or yeah, yeah. He, sort uh, of like undercover. Daniel Day-Lewis killed his dad. And yeah. then when he, he comes wants back. To, like, get revenge. Yeah, Daniel so Day-Lewis like, doesn't know that he's his dad. He poses dad's. as. Yeah. Yeah, he poses as. So four out of five. Gangs of New York and Departed are my recommendations. Okay, so I'm going to give it a four as well. I think I think mostly just like where I was saying that I just feel really. I mean, I love I love Spike Lee. I, I just. Like he 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 always does things that are very visually interesting. Mm -hmm. He always does things that make me come like always pull me away with lots of questions. He never, as a viewer, you're never let off easy. Mm -hmm. You're complicit kind of and what like in watching it you're kind of like oh yeah I've, yeah and I've, he doesn't let you i mean he doesn't let you forget about the commercial aspect mm -hmm. of the film he doesn't make and i think in i think in a lot of ways he like we were talking about earlier like he doesn't unquestion his position in it either mm -hmm. or i don't get the feeling that he does i wish that there had been because not like ron Stallworth's book ends with him talking about the rest of his law enforcement mm -hmm. career but yeah there wasn't even losing a, the story a no. real picture of ron Stallworth, but there's yeah. the real footage yeah. of David Duke. Right. So I guess that's it for me. Do we have any other? Don't forget if you visit the library during February we have Black History Month displays in the children's section and downstairs in the adult section yeah. um, that will be like, you know, as things get checked out, we'll be adding more to it. The History Club has some events. There's the African American Restaurants of Galveston, yes. that book. So they're going to be, and I think Joanne, our adult services, head of adult services department, she is looking to see whether or not we can get some food from some local establishments. Oh, that's that nice. Cool. Yeah. Saturday, March 12th at 12.30. We'll be showing Phantom Thread for Women's History Month. It kind of has a has an Amy Dunn quality to it, Ooh. but like more British in 1950s. Okay, so that's it for this episode of Watch Out. Follow Helen Hall Library and all the things. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We made a TikTok a yesterday. Did you see it? No. Kelsey you, like, gives on the, I'm in it. An Oscar-worthy performance. Oscar-worthy. Mm -hmm. Check out Emery's blog for more movie reviews, personalized recommendations, updates on other in-person movie events, and past and current episodes of this podcast. All right. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. We sound really bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. We're we're coming we're coming we're coming at you. The people will this still is love really, us. Really, really. <laughs> <laughs> I have gone into the sorter room and just like shadow box the what? air before. <laughs> just not nothing but like <sighs> and I'm like I'm good. Before you do that, I'm gonna blow my nose. Okay. Okay. The good. whole bloopers is just gonna be nose blowing. Nose blowing. And sniffling. <sighs> Maybe a few dry heaves. No, I'm better now. Okay. What? Are you okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. Just a burp? Mm -hmm. Okay. We should have brought a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, am I grossing y'all out? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, yeah, we, we have Disney Plus. James was like, should we get Disney Plus for yes. this? No. There's Muppet movies on there. We have the Muppet okay. movies. Okay. <laughs> so, but... The but, mouse doesn't need my money. Okay. So... <laughs> I hear more Dean Martin in Olive Garden. Yeah, like more Dean Martin. Oh, really? Louis Primo. Louis Primo is all over the Olive Garden. Is it Primo or Prima? Maybe it's Prima. I thought it was Prima.
You're probably right. Are you okay? Do we need to get a bucket? No. Are you sure? I am fine. I just I have we'll do the mom thing yeah, and put our hands. Her. We'll get a bucket. I'm gonna yeah. crack this. That That'd be it. That's a good sound bite. Yeah, that sounds like it would be part tastes of the very good. Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so sparkling water. Right. So. I should take a picture of like what Spike Lee did to us. I know, <laughs> That should be our podcast uh, promo. Existential crisis. Existential yeah. Existential crisis.